Hallelujah. You may have your seats. We're grateful to the ubiquitous God, the sovereign, Yahweh, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit of truth. I'm grateful. Kitele. Isaiah said, I'm a man of unclean lips. Hiya! You didn't realize God talked that much about your mouth. I'm a man of unclean lips and I dwell amongst the people whose lips are unclean. Then the angel took a tongue and got coals of fire from the altar before the throne of God. And he said, these have touched your lips and have purged your sin. It's removed your iniquity. That's the generational patterns of sin. Stuff that you're getting bound by that ain't even yours. Huh? He said these have touched your lips. Didn't touch his head, his hands. Didn't touch his feet. God had to purify the prophet's mouth to synchronize his speech with what heaven was saying. He was useless to God as a prophet until his mouth could be purified to handle heaven's speech. Some of you live beneath your privilege because your mouth isn't aligned with heaven's conversation. Ask him to purge your mouth. Get that bitterness and that cursing and all that profane speech out of your mouth. Get it out of your mouth. Change the reservoir that you speak from. It takes Holy Ghost fire. Am I flowing in here tonight? It takes the fire of God. Cloven tongues of fire came on the day of Pentecost. It could have been cloven anything, but they were tongues. At the birthing of the church, God needed a people with purified speech. It could have been cloven hands of fire. It could have been feet of fire. It could have been heads of fire that came in there, but it was tongues of fire. God was more concerned about their ability to talk at the birthing of the church than to do as the church. Their speech being in alignment was more important than their hands being able to heal. So he didn't, and he didn't leave it to them. He let fire come from heaven to consume the mouth. Why do we speak in other tongues, according to the scripture, as the spirit gives utterance? Because the tongue is an unruly member, James said to us. And it's set on the very fire of hell. That's what the Bible says about your tongue. So the baptism of the Holy Spirit shows God's superiority over the most unruly member of your being. It's the last thing to come into alignment. So the Holy Ghost has to grab it. See? He gives us the ability, but we do the speaking. So we have to be in agreement. We have to yield. God getting in control of your tongue. It says everything is power. The power of life and death are where? Did y'all realize God talked this much about your mouth and his word? 
the power of life and death is where? Don't you think you need Holy Ghost fire on something that's either creating life or death every time it moves? Every time you open your mouth, you're instigating a force. Can I talk to mature believers? Y'all got to realize what it means to be made in his image and likeness. God could not have said, let there be light and light didn't come. It's impossible. So it's impossible for you being made in his image and likeness to talk and something not happen. See, some of us are reaping harvests from things that we created 10 years ago. You, no word returns to him. Oh. So then I'm, if, 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 if we're in his likeness and image, then our words can't return void. What does it mean to be void? Empty, ineffective, impotent which is antithetical to omnipotence. You can't be omnipotent and impotent. You either have all power or no power. So if we're made in his likeness and image, our words can't return to us void either. It means every word you speak is carrying something. It's not empty, that's what it means void. It means the words are not empty. You think you're just talking. No, 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 no. You're releasing containers. You're planting containers. You're assigning containers that have product. And according to the Bible, the product is either life or death. So what is your containers? What, what, what? The containers that you planted today, what was in them? Were they filled with life or death? Did you give death permission to kill your purpose? Kill your marriage? Kill your child that you were mad at? What did you speak over them? I have an assignment. And I sense, prophet, that in this hour, that I have to talk to, I have to talk to mature believers, but I have to talk to new creation believers. The people who have been recreated in the likeness and image of God that have been made in his likeness and image and conformed to the image of his dear son. Because we are in a category, I think I'm preaching already, we're in a category and we're in a class that is drastically distinct from anyone else in creation. And if you don't realize that, you'll live your life like a mere mortal. How many of you are mortals? Tell the truth. Are you a mortal being? Elder Debbie's mortal, who else? Who else is a mortal being? They're like, you're not tricking me with this question. <laughs> How many of you who are human identify with being a mortal being? Just in, on the surface, right? You, you identify with being a mortal being. Can I tell you that you're not a mortal being? The reality is, and I want you to get this, you are not your body. You are not your body. The spirit you on the inside of you is an immortal entity. Death, how we experience it in the earth, is not a spiritual reality. So the cessation of life that occurs 
when we see a dead body is only real as it pertains to the flesh. And then it's only temporary. Because the Bible tells us, y'all got to believe in Bible prophecy. I got to teach y'all Bible prophecy. Stop trying to get a word from a prophet and, and realize how, how many prophecies are in Scripture. The prophecy is, is that our corruptible body is going to put on incorruption. So the people who have fallen, y'all better get, you have, you have to believe this. The people who have fallen asleep in God, that have died, even their earthly remains that have disintegrated and gone back to dust is only a temporary reality. The very dust is going to put on an immortal body when he appears. Well, how do we know that? Well, I'm glad you asked that. I want you to search this in the scriptures, in the gospels. When Jesus was resurrected, the first thing that they saw was that people who had died were alive again walking around in the center of the town. So the, the, the releasing of resurrection power to snatch Jesus out of the grave accelerated the resurrection of the people who were already dead. I think it was a glitch. They wasn't supposed to get up till the rest of us got up, but it was so powerful that the secondary consequence was people got resurrected who were supposed to be dead. Imagine people you buried 10 years ago walking around downtown talking about the power, Jesus got up and we just came back. What's a cell phone? So we have to believe that the incorruptible remains has to put on, or the corruptible remains has to put on incorruption. So if you believe that, then you also have to believe that the thing that makes you who you are is an entity or a part of your being that can never die. Well, how do you know that, the, that my body's not the real me? Because I've had encounters with God where my body wasn't a part of it. God has taken me into places and shown me things and spoken things to me, and then I wind up coming back to myself. I'm like, well, how did I go? And it was, it was me, but it wasn't me. So that let me know by experience. Oh, okay, let me get scriptural. Ezekiel said, I was sitting there talking with the elders at the gate, and the Spirit of the Lord grabbed me by a lock of my hair and pulled me into the Spirit, and there I saw visions of God. He left where he was to go where he needed to be. Huh? John was on the Isle of Patmos on the Lord's Day, was in the spirit on the Lord's Day, and heard a voice say, come up hither. Well, where was up hither? <laughs> Wasn't talking about to the second floor of the church. And he got caught up in the spirit and turned to hear the voice, to see the voice who spoke to him. And he saw seven golden lampstands. Well, they weren't on the Isle of Patmos. See, at some point, his natural reality was transcended by his spiritual reality. But guess what? He kept riding. So we don't know which part. It went from him being on the Isle of Patmos. Well, that's him in the body riding. But the next thing we know, he's looking at seven lampstands and seeing the Son of Man walking in the midst of them with a sword coming out of his mouth and seven stars in his hand. Well, what happened? We don't know. Paul said, I know a man, whether in the body or not, I don't know. But such a one was caught up to the third heavens. He, he didn't even know whether or not his body went or not. Am I, see, do y'all believe this Bible? 
No, 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 no. I know they taught you the, the Bible song in Sunday school. But do you believe that this is reality? I'm a philosophy and religion student. Let me tell you. And we're studying all of these people. All of them. I can't even, it, 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 tongues. I'm trying to say their name is tongues. Hermocletus, Permenides, Eximenidioshia. And let me tell you what these great philosophical thinkers know. Nothing. Everything is ambiguous. Everything has no conclusion. Hermocladus was smart enough to know that there's a logos that governs the cosmos. Now, he knew that. Parmenides was smart enough to know that truth is absolute, but couldn't define truth. See, you got to believe this Bible. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and yeah. So while you're trying to figure out what is truth and you're asking questions, we have solid proof. Y'all believe the Bible? Okay, let's get to this text. Romans 8. I already preached. I didn't even get to my notes. That's the stuff that I hear in my spirit. It just, it's what the Holy Spirit is saying. We got to get the believers ready to live out of their reality. You are an immortal being made in the image and likeness of God himself. You are a life-giving spirit. You are not your flesh. Yeah, that's why it's the trick of the enemy to get you so wound up and tied up with things that pertain to the flesh and the world. Because you can never manifest from a glory dimension if you are tied to an earthly reality. Never. You're so consumed about how you feel and what you think and what happened and what they said and what they didn't say and what they did and what they didn't do and who's not there and who's... And you, people live their lives for years trying to unravel stuff that doesn't even matter. Who you are as a son of God, as a daughter of God, is transcendent. See, y'all think we're crazy, but you know what it is. Can I tell you that we're not crazy? We're not. We're not crazy, but we're living from a different place. Living from a different place. I expect to see anomalies in the cosmos. I expect that, Prophet Donna. I expect, I expect it. Why do I expect it? Because on New Year's Eve, God told us it was coming. Did y'all get that? Does that register? Dewberry sent us something. What happened? What was the thing you just sent us? Volcano didn't do nothing for 6,000 years. We've been preaching about the Earth's travail. I said specifically all these volcanoes. No, I didn't say volcanoes. I said hurricanes and earthquakes. But y'all know it fits in the category of the Earth. After Sunday, what happens? This volcano that has not moved in 6,000 years, six being the number of man moves all of a sudden. We prophesy in the cosmos there's going to be unusual activity because of creation's travail. That was the prophecy. Y'all remember the word? Because God was calling forth sons. And so because he was calling forth sons, we were going to see all kinds of weird happenings 
in the galactic sphere. That's what the prophecy specifically said. Then they find hurricanes on planets that they never, ever, ever. You know what ever means? Ever saw before. What is happening? It's the manifestation of sons of God. See, y'all got to divorce a church mentality and get creatorial in your thinking. There's planets waiting for me to tell them what to do. See, I really believe it like that. I know that sounds so crazy. I know know it does. It's, It's all right. It's all right. Because I have experienced him as the God of creation, and some of y'all are still only seeing him as the God of the church. You think God is only relevant in here because you think this is the only place where he's in control. So you go out into a world and in a reality where you don't see his influence, and so you think that he's inept like the world thinks he's inept. Come on, tell the truth, because the truth will at least set you free. At least the truth will break the shackle so that you'll know that you were bound. Just, Just admit you don't believe God is really in control. But I've experienced the sovereign God who literally had the idea to create creation. So I'm not subjected to this churchy reality. Now I'm going to do church because the church is his body. It's the seat of his governmental rulership. It is the legislative arm of his kingdom. This is his cabinet. The church is his cabinet. They are his ecclesia which is the legislative assembly that is assembled. They have a government. The church has a governmental system that is meant to be superimposed over all the failing systems of the world. I understand the concept of the church, but the church doesn't. The church comes to church not to get equipped for dominion, to come and get a message and an emotion to make you feel good so that you can deal with your life better. That's why people come to church. If people came to church, Pastor Autumn, to be equipped, we would not be able to fit people into any of our campuses. They don't want to be equipped. They want to go to church. They want to have clout over people. Because in the civil rights movement, the church was the only place where black people had any kind of honor or prestige. Yeah. You were nothing in society, and you knew that. You walked across the street the wrong way. The cop was putting a dog on you, and you knew that. But you could come to church and be powerful. And be great. And so we have a slavery mentality that drives our worship experience. It's a slavery mentality. Let me take somebody who has nothing and make them everything so that they can feel good about being nothing. And we have perpetuated that dogma to the fact, to the extent that we have forgotten that we are the seed of God. You are not just a black woman or a black man. You are an immortal being made in the image of the ubiquitous God. You showed up in the earth in your particular genus, your species, your lineage, because it serves a purpose, but it's not the only purpose. The purpose is sons of God manifesting in the earth to establish the rulership and dominion of Christ. He could do it all by himself, but Satan gained access by the cooperation of mankind. So Jesus' dominion has to be extracted by the cooperation of mankind because he's just. He's just. 
Satan deceived them. I'm going to stop. This is good. I'm going to stop because I want y'all to just marinate on it. Because these are some powerful torpedo bullets in the spirit coming out tonight. This is a word you got to marinate on. I'm not going to give you, let me close these notes. I'm, uh-uh. Y'all ain't going to forget this. No, 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 no. I hear you, spirit of wisdom. I hear you in here tonight. Satan duped them out of their position of authority. They walked in agreement with a counterfeit anointing. Yeah. And so for the Lord's dominion to be rightly reestablished in the earth, since mankind was given the, the seat of, of dominion, they were magistrates over creation, now he has subjected himself to our agreement and cooperation. He's sovereign whether we believe it or do it or not, but for us to see the kingdoms of this world that are under the governance of the prince and the power of the air, he needs a people that are in agreement, that are subjugated to his lordship and his dominion. You were made, I'm done. Doc, play. You were made in the likeness and image of the sovereign God. Hebrew words, Tesalem and Demuth. The likeness and image. Likeness means similitude. So that when you look at him, you look the same way. Image is as if he took a picture of himself and it's your face that shows up. When the sons of God, and this is the era, God had to change the time to get us here. He had to change the whole era. The whole time shifted. If you look around, look around. A lot of people are using that term new era now. I didn't hear it before I said it. It's all right. Apostle, first apostle, second early prophet. We get it. We lead the way. I get it. No, no, no. There's no fault. But it shows us because God speaks with one voice. I'm not the only one who heard that. Y'all heard that. Y'all knew that God was shifting the era. People are hearing it. Why? Because it's so. He's changed the time. So now we have to understand what it means for it to be our time. Some of y'all hear it's our time and you're still thinking it means all my bills will finally be paid. You're, you're, you're so limited in your expression on the earth. Creation is waiting, groaning. See, there are things, and I'm, I'm really done. Come get this stuff. There are things, please. Y'all know I mean please. Please is in my spirit. There are things, Prophet Trendell, that we have as sons of God called into being that are already established in eternity. There is a time gap, however, between eternity's reality and the stubbornness of the earth's manifestation. Because the earth and its systems are operating with the absence of light. The life of God and the light of God that once uh, animated the earth was sucked out of the earth when Satan took over Adam's seat. 
death was now assigned to rule and reign. That's why our bodies die. That's why the outward man is, is perishing. All of us are subjected to that. Why? Because God had to remove an element of his life out of the planet, right? Otherwise, the planet and everything in it would have perpetually existed in a fallen state. So he had to remove that life force. Now, what does he do? We get born again. We get saved. So instead of him putting it back in the planet, he puts it in us. Christ in you, the hope of glory. So now we cause that same light and light to radiate out of us and it impacts where we are. It wasn't like that in Adam's day. The trees had light in them. The fruit, the animals, they were filled with his glory. So he withdrew that, but now it's in us. Christ in us, Christ in us, Christ in us, Christ in us. Everything God has ever spoken is coming to pass. Everything. Everything. Every word, every promise, every dream, every vision is coming to pass. So what do we do? We're just waiting on the manifestation. The earth is stubborn and it takes time now for light to penetrate the earth. Our millions of dollars already exist. It's a reality. It is a real thing. It's real. Our property, the territory, the miracles that God is going to release through us, they already happen. They already happen. And when we get to those places of manifestation, we are only living out, almost acting out as in a drama, what was already finished and completed in his world. Every miracle, every touch, every salvation. This is why we put emphasis on prayer and praise and worship because we're securing things in the spirit that although they have not manifested yet as a son of God, what we call into being has to be. It has to be. It has to be. It has to be. So don't let time being a part of the equation deter you from what you called. Think about it. I'm done. I'm really, I promise you I'm done. But just think. Think for one second. Think for one second. There are things that you have desired that right now are your reality. You created it. You created it. You did it. You had a logos, a moment of conceptualization, and you, as an image, in the image and likeness of God, was able to bring into creation what you saw. Good or bad. Some of us are reaping harvests from seeds that we've sown. You don't like the harvest. Sow another seed. Sow another seed. Come on, everybody standing. I'm done. Sow another seed. Can you lift your hands up and just worship him? Can you water your atmosphere with the atmosphere of worship and praise and love and adoration? 
come on. Your deep need from love for love is only a reflection of his deep need for you. Yeah. That depth in you, the capacity to love and be loved is just an emanation of the Father's heart towards you. He loves you. Can you feel his need for love tonight? Can you do that? Feel his need for your affection. Come on, give me a heavy sound out there. Come on. Father, we give you worship. We give you worship. Come on. We give you glory. We give you, oh, come on, there's such a sweet presence of the Lord here. Father, we love you. We thank you that we're in your likeness and image. Thank you, Father, that you are giving us the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Christ. Christ in us, the hope of glory. We're seated with him in heavenly places. How we worship you. How we adore you, Father. How we love you, almighty God. Oh, Father, your presence is amazing to us. The glory of your presence. Oh, Father, we reverence you. We reverence, we reverence, we reverence. Lord Jesus, we bless your holy name. Come on, just a few more seconds. Just worship. This is what we're going to do for eternity. We're going to love on him. We're going to embrace his glory. We're going to live in the beauty of your holiness. Thank you for this great salvation. Thank you for healing. Thank you for deliverance. Thank you for your peace. Thank you for the defeat of Satan and his kingdom. Thank you for filling us and anointing us with the Holy Spirit and fire. That when we call on your name, Father, we sense your presence. That when we praise and worship, Father, we enter in. We thank you that you're so close. Hallelujah. Oh, this is good. Father, we get We give you glory. We give you glory. We give you glory. Give you glory. Thank you for washing us. Thank you for cleansing us from sin. Thank you for removing iniquity. Thank you for forgiving our transgressions. Giving us a clean slate. Making us new. Thank you for mercy. Thank you for mercy. Thank you for your kindness. Thank you for favor. Thank you for your goodness. You're just good. You're good to us. You do good things. Oh, Father, we trust you. Come on. There's a crescendo of worship. We're almost done. Father, we love you. We join with all of the hosts of the heavens. And we declare that the Lord is good. That your mercy endureth forever. Lord, you are good and your mercy endureth forever. We join in with the celestial hosts. The 
myriad of choirs in your divine presence and we declare that the Lord is good that the Lord is good and your mercy endureth they saw rabasetike oh come on we enter in to heaven's worship of the most high tonight we calibrate and synchronize our hearts and spirits to heaven's sound and frequency father we worship you lord jesus you are crowned with many crowns we give you glory lord hallelujah Father, we give you reverence, Almighty God. We give you worship and glory and honor and majesty. Power and praise belong to you. Hallelujah. Father, we worship. 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 Come on, we're in a heavenly dimension. We hear the frequency. We hear the frequency of heaven. Father, calibrate our hearts and our spirits. Oh, Father, the earth, the earth, the earth, the earth is full of your glory. The heavens declare your glory. Creation declares your glory. God, I feel your presence in this house. We worship and adore you. Father, we love you. Creation declares the majesty of the one true God. Jesus Christ of Nazareth, you are exalted above all other names. Father, we reverence. Father, we reverence. Father, we reverence you. Father, we send a word of healing to Grammy, my wife's grandma in that hospital. We send a word of healing. We send a word of healing. Nothing 